He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you today. And boys, we have Live Golf Miami this week, and it is the first team event, the real team event in regards to Live. So boys, we will get to that after the break. But before the break, um, we had a couple interesting stories that I want to get to T-Dub, number one, um, we had some interesting news regarding PGA Tour U. And for a long time uh, here on the 73rd Hole podcast, obviously we follow college golf probably closer than any other podcast in the world. And we have been kind of advocating, T-Dub, for PGA Tour U the top five to get PGA Tour cards. Now, it seems like the top spot will receive a PGA Tour card, and the spots from two through ten, if approved, will get Corn Fairy cards, just as it has been for the top five. Now the top five moving to the top ten to get Corn Fairy cards, T-Dub. What are your thoughts on this, and is it enough to stop a guy like an Austin Greaser or a Ludwig Aberg from going to live? That's going to be a good question. They'll probably come down to each individual person on that aspect. I will say that this is a good sign for PGA Tour University. When they first came out, I think most of us were all kind of like, really, you know, there were some things on there. Like like they changed this a couple months ago, but not being able to play in a PGA Tour event and getting points for it was really, really stupid. They finally changed that. That's one of the reasons why Patrick Welch was able to move up because he played so well um, at the Shriners. But, but yeah, I, I think that these are all good changes. As you mentioned, the, the main first change would be that if you finish number one on PJ Tour U rankings, you get a PJ Tour card through the through the end of the year, which would essentially be June of 2023 for this following year, and then through the end of that season. So I, I don't know how that'll that would affect with with the new season, with how the the, the PJ Tour season will change in the next couple of years. So that would be something interesting to see because having to get in the top 70 now to get to keep a tour card. Unless you go out there and win as a college player, I don't really even know if that would be possible with just that short um, of a season. But one of the second changes that they're proposing, I think, would be interesting is, you know, just to go through, not to read every single criteria, but like including amateur wins, how they do on the PGA Tour and the collegiate awards and that kind of thing. Because currently in the PGA Tour, you, you can either be a senior, or red cert junior, that kind of thing. And with this new proposal to essentially give really good players who are freshmen and sophomores the opportunity um, to move up, according to the uh, Golf Channel article, there would only be three college players in the last 12 years who would have met the criteria. So it's not like they'd be throwing out cards left or right on this deal. So I don't know, Woody. I feel like they're, uh, these changes aren't fully submitted enough to maybe stop the live movement of some of these young guys. But I definitely think it's a good start in the right direction. What it shows is the PGA Tour is, you know, are they being a little more proactive now? Kind of. Uh, they're still pretty much reactive to me. But anytime you have a threat, the way you figure it's a threat is how the other foe responds to it for better lack of terms. Well, obviously we all know the the live is still a threat to the PGA tour because they still keep coming up with more and more ideas 
to not only take care of the guys that they have on the PGA Tour, but they're also smart enough that the potential player coming out, they don't want to lose them either. So I, I guess the fight is still still on is what it comes down to, guys. Yeah, and guys, to me, if I'm a college superstar, right, one of the top you know, three players in the college game, it would be so hard for me to tell Liv, no, don't take care of me while I'm in college. And no, I'm not going to sign a guaranteed $2 million deal with upwards of making $8 million like we saw Chikara do. Um, and to me, I don't think the top spot on PGA Tour U is enough just to give them a PGA Tour card. Look, I mean, obviously they have official world golf ranking points right now and Liv doesn't, but it seems like it's trending in the direction to where Liv is at least going to get some official world golf ranking points, T-Dub, and it would just be so hard for me not to take the guaranteed money especially considering the fact that we've seen so many careers that we thought were can't miss uh, kind of, you know, never really reach the level of stardom that we thought. And if you're guaranteeing me $8 million and still being able to play in the majors, it's going to be so hard for me to just try to get one PGA Tour card. I'd have to finish number one on PGA Tour U. I don't think it's enough. I think it's the right direction, but as we see and have seen in the past, the PGA Tour moves too slow on things like this. Well, I think in main part, the second part you mentioned there with the money is, is getting in the majors. And I think right now, with there just being a little bit of hesitancy up in the air, with especially with the Masters and the PGA Championship, I think with the U.S. Open and British Open, since they're open, it would be hard to keep a lot of these guys out. But right now, when you're a young college player, you don't have exemptions into the majors. And if you do go to live, you are very limiting yourself at potential to do that, especially right now when they're – we do think their world ranking points will come in the future, but as of right now, they don't have them. What I expect to happen is, is that in about a year's time, once we've seen – I would expect all four majors, maybe the PGA Championship wouldn't be so, but I, I would expect live guys to play the majority of the majors. And, and then by that point, we would think to have world ranking points. And then I think it would be a lot easier for guys to transfer – over on the live, but as of right now, the uh, the fact that the the majors and the world ranking points just the hesitancy on that are the really, in my opinion, the only things that are holding them back. Besides the the very select few of people who are like Tiger, who who just really care about legacy and that kind of thing, kind of what Pearson Cootie spoke to, because he decided to stay on the PJ Tour. So I do think there are a few who would stay no matter what. But as time progresses and Live gets the changes and they're able to play in the majors. I, I think the, the there will be it will be harder for the PGA Tour to keep guys moving as, as time progresses. Right, but those live contracts aren't going to be as fat as they are right now once they get official World Golf ranking for these college players. Right, they're going to take care of these guys that are taking the risks, such as Chikara, Right, well, Woody. I think guys, what you guys we got to realize. I think there's only, only two things, and I've actually been doing a little homework, and I'm, I'm surprised you guys aren't laughing because that's impressive <laughs> for me. Good job, buddy. Uh, but I've been I've been doing a little studying on this. The, the only way I see the live actually failing, okay, is not getting world ranking points, which we've talked about for a long time now. The other is, guys, is it is an issue the way they're trying to promote it by television. Because I hate to tell you guys, in the, all the articles I've been reading, it's great for the younger people that know how to stream and know how to go to YouTube and can do a lot of things, but I hate to say it, guys, but the ages from about 50 to 70 
which I fall right in the middle of that is, or I'm on the long end of it, pardon me, <laughs> but um, um, they have trouble with this. So I think Liv has to get some kind of contract television-wise where people can actually go and turn on the TV and find it and make it easy for all of us old guys that could find it. I'm willing to look at it and find it, but most are not. And the articles I'm reading, that is what is happening. There's there's still people are fascinated by it, but they're not really watching it as much as we think they are. And they got to get those two things. If they get those two things, gentlemen, I think then you're going to have uh, it's going to be a pick 'em. Uh, these kids coming out of college that that think they can go and get the quick money. I'm with you two on that because you can't guarantee anybody's going to make it on the PGA tour. There's a few exceptions. Tiger Woods is one. But but a lot of times, Sam, you said it best. We've got a world beater coming out of college, and he doesn't really get to the PGA Tour. Look at Chase Kepka. Right. You guys remember how good a player. No, he's a great Kepka player. Yeah. Great player in college. Peter been, Uline. Hey, guys, you bet. If we go down the list of great players in college that didn't make it on the PGA Tour, there's a lot more of them than great players that did. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you guys this will become a free for all, but they got to get those two things done. They really do. And T Dub, I think the thing that is not being talked about, at least in the articles that I saw about this, is it's talking about these college players after college, but it's not necessarily mentioning the fact enough that. Liv is not afraid to sign some NIL deals while these guys are in college and keep them free agents and then pull them out of college whenever they think that they're ready to be in the top 48. I think that that's a huge thing, too, that guys can start getting paid by Liv while they're in college, and we'll see how you know the logistics all play out with that, but that's something that I don't think the PGA Tour is even looking at. No, more, more than likely not, no, and I think that you are right in the aspect of, or, or is Liv going to keep dishing out the huge, big contracts like the, the hundred million that Cam Smith got? Probably not. But I will say I do think they are still going to poach very hardly at, at the college kids and not be afraid to give them a little bit of money because if you walk out and you give one of these beloved Aber ten million dollars or whatever, I mean that's going to be hard for it's going to be hard to say no to that. And right. I mean you could even bump it up a few million if you wanted to. Maybe Sam Bennett has an absolutely awesome year, just came off winning the USM. Maybe he wins eight college tournaments this next year, or whatever. I mean, that, that, that could change everything and increase the price tag. So, yes, I do think it's going to be hard for Liv to, to poach the, the big-name stars off of the tour, and they're probably done giving that kind of money. But, but they're going to come very, very hard at what they believe is the future of the game of golf, and I don't think they'll be scared to give them a, a, a little bit of coin. 100% guys either way it's a good thing that the PGA Tour is at least talking about it but let's see how it progresses into the future speaking of the PGA Tour guys we do have a PGA Tour event this week now T-Dub this since we've been doing the podcast for what two and a half years now this might be the worst field that I've ever seen in a PGA Tour event Denny McCarthy is your favorite at 4.8% to win the golf tournament at the Butterfield Bermuda. Seamus Power, uh, Aaron Rye, Patrick Rogers, Jaeger, Smalley, Hubbard. Uh, you know, there's 
there's nobody in this golf tournament, T-Dub, and a lot of people might remember the Bermuda tournament from a few years ago when it was super windy, and, um, you know, I think Bermuda's just a place that's a little too complicated to travel to. It's the time of year that it's in. It's really when the good PGA Tour players consider their offseason. That's why you don't see a good field whatsoever. So, T-Dub, my question to you before we start this off, and we haven't done this in a while, is strength of field. And T-Dub, my guess on strength of field will be 39. All right, so I have the the field rating right here. And so the the reason that we haven't been doing strength of field as much lately is because the the ranking system changed so much, so we don't really have a reference point on what to get. So the numbers would be all over the place. The field rating this week is a 126. Really? I think the only reason that, that that's happening is because of, of the, the system changes. So now, unlike last year at the Bermuda where they couldn't even field a full field, they only had 128 players or something like that. Yep. They do, I believe, have a full field this year, which bumps them up a little bit. But when you look at, at the top of this leaderboard, like you mentioned, Denny McCarthy, Seamus Power, Aaron Rye, Patrick Rogers, Mark Herbert are your top five. That's it's just nothing to, to, to bring home about. It's, it's Especially when, when we have the live, live team contest. I mean, it's, it's not even going to be close. As to which tournament I'm going to find more interesting. I mean, and you're exactly right with just where Bermuda is located. So far east, it's almost in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's basically got the same um, longitude as like a Nova Scotia does. So, I mean, it's way, way out there. So, yeah, it, it's just there's too many complications with this tournament. I think this, this tournament is a great example of what a lot of players were complaining about, about just having a full a, a season of, of all the way around where you have these tournaments that really no one wants to play and like people like Jack Nicholas, who I actually agree with, are looking at future tournaments because of the uh, the new uh, season structure, and think that there will be more down events and a kind of a B tiered PJ Tour. And I, I think that we might start seeing more fields like this on a regular basis. The question you have to ask yourself is: Is it better to have all your players playing in a tournament and then have the the worser players in another tournament? Maybe so. This is just this isn't something I I don't want to see a tournament field like this. In June, if we have to have it on Halloween weekend during football season, especially with the live team contest, it's not the end of the world. Now, Woody, I will say for golf nerds like us, there's some names in this golf tournament that might interest you. Uh, Robbie Shelton, who was one of the top players when I was coming out of college. You have Doug Gim. You have locals like Sam Stevens and Austin Eckroat and even Robert Streb are in this golf tournament. So speak to a guy like an Austin Eckroat, for instance. He pretty much, to me, has to be going into this golf tournament expecting to win the golf tournament, Woody. And I know he's a young guy on the PGA Tour, but to me, Woody, I mean, (laughs) there's not many guys better than him. It's one of his only shots to really feel like a favorite headed into the golf tournament. Without a doubt. And what you're having is this this event is nothing more than a corn ferry on steroids. It's got a little better feel than a corn ferry does. And... You know, it's it's hard if 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 other moms and dads out there are listening, or wives or family, then we're calling these guys just so so players. They're still PGA Tour players. They're, they they yeah. can golf their ball. So, but 100%. here's what we got. And you guys, T Dub made a little bit of a point here, and I agree with him. I think in 2023, gentlemen, what you're going to have is two separate PGA Tours. You are going to have those 20 events four majors and 16 others that all those guys are going to play in. 
Jack Nicholas said it himself, Woody. Jack Nicholas came out with the quote and said that you're basically, with these elevated PGA Tour events, you're basically making the other events feeder tour events, which is basically an event in between the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour. Well, long before you guys were born, there used to only be 60 exit players on the PGA Tour. What you're going to see is that's what we're going towards. There'll be 70 exempt players. All of these guys that are playing the secondary tour, which will still be called PGA Tour. It won't be Corn Ferry. It'll still be called the PGA Tour. That's the only way to get to that top 70. And that's what their goal is going to be. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, uh, oh, I'd say weaken the PGA Tour in some ways and strengthen it in others. Because with those 16 events, guys, you will get the best field the PGA Tour can possibly put out. That's great. But then you've got all these other events going on where you're going to have really a very weak product, which Lib will pounce on it like a pit bull on a preschooler, okay? And Lib will pounce on those events to run their golf tournament in there because then what you have if this works if all this stuff comes to fruition as we say you will have live which is stronger and i'll get out the pga tour which will have a bunch of really good events and then we're going to have a bunch of golf sprinkled in that i you know for a better saying is not going to be all that great to watch if i'm one of those other guys though my goal is to get to the top 70. If I'm staying on the PGA Tour, I'm not going to live. I got to figure out how to get in the top 70. No, you're exactly right with that, Woody. Um, the thing that I think a lot of people aren't thinking about is the fact that a tournament like this, a tournament like Bermuda this week, is getting more official world golf ranking points than a normal live event or the team live event. And, and it just... I know that there's so many politics involved and a lot of people can't get over the politics and they just bring it up every time I bring up strength of field or official world golf ranking. But eventually people are going to get tired of the fact that a tournament like this, T-Dub, am I insane to think that there's no way in heck that this tournament should have more official world golf ranking points than a live event? I mean, I, I feel like I'm on this island, and I I just think everybody else is insane. I don't think you're insane one bit, and even past the world ranking points. Think about what you get for winning a PGA Tour event. I mean, this isn't an opposite field event, so he's going to get into all four of the major championships next year, which is something that all the live guys are having to fight really hard for. So, no, you're not completely crazy at all. And it's it's been a flawed system, like we said a hundred times, and hopefully it gets resolved at, at some point. It's just, when you look at it from the PJ Tour perspective, it's, it's just hard to defend whenever they say they have the best product in, in golf whenever we see fields like this. And, yes, their great weeks are great, but we're starting to see that, that their off weeks are not just bad, but they're, a pretty darn not very good at all. I mean, let's just be honest. If it wasn't for the local guys that you mentioned, Sam, I wouldn't have any interest in this tournament at all. Like, like what he said, it would be even. I think that even Corn Ferry event would have a little bit more status on some of it, just because you have guys at least fighting for their tour cards. And yes, I get that you have that here, but it's the start of the year and the time of year, all that stuff. So yeah, this tournament is just without the local guys. This is as bottom of the barrel as you can get for me. And it's a. Uh, I don't think it's a sign for the PJ Tour horribly in the future. But this is also a consequence of them wanting to be a little bit more global and play courses that are outside the United States because these are the type of fields that you can get. 
And guys, I don't want to hear anybody coming at us on Twitter or wherever else and say that, oh, we're just live homers because we spent all last week talking about Rory McIlroy winning the CJ Cup. I want to talk about the best tournament each week. My only problem here that I have is that the best tournament this week is not getting as many official World Golf ranking points as the worst tournament this week. And so to me, that's the only problem that I have with this whole situation. I don't hate the PG tour I just want everything to be fair and you know Woody who else makes things fair that's Quail Creek Bank they are the best to deal with in the Oklahoma City area they've been in business for over 50 years Woody please tell us about your friends at Quail Creek Bank 50 years says everything to me Sam and 50 years of a locally owned bank Uh, they're not one of these big monstrosity banks that's worldwide or goes across the country. There's a local bank. We talk about all the time how friendly they are. Well, shame on Oklahomans if they're not banking with a local bank. Because why do you want to go to the big guy? Why wouldn't you why wouldn't you put your money with a local bank in Oklahoma? And if you're gonna do that, why wouldn't you go with the most successful bank right now? That's Quill Creek Bank. So Again, your banking needs are important to you. You want your bank to take care of you. Quill Creek does that. Absolutely, it does. And T-Dub, some other news to touch on right before we go to break. I do want to touch on the fact that Liv did win part of the lawsuit uh, against the PGA Tour. I guess we can just update people on that. T-Dub, go ahead and uh, just uh, summarize what Liv won and, and what part of the lawsuit Liv won. So, essentially, from my understanding of it, Liv, the part that they've won currently in the lawsuit is that the PJ Tour has to essentially give over all the information that they have with, with meetings and, and stuff that they've had with sponsors and anything regarding Liv that they've talked about with other people, that the PJ Tour has to present that evidence uh, um, to uh, to the court case. So, it, I kind of feel like this is going to be how, how we're going to start hearing things with the Liv case over the next year or so. It's just going to be maybe one little small detail here or there that pops out every couple of weeks. So I think this is going to be uh, the trend going forward. And, and maybe we'll hear some, some news come out about what, what they have to, to turn in. So, yeah, it's an interesting, not necessarily a turn of events, because I think most people prognosticated this um, to happen. But it's, it's a step in, uh, I'm not going to say a right or wrong direction, but uh, it, it's definitely a step in figuring out who's right or wrong in this court case. Yeah, and definitely, and, and obviously, this doesn't mean that the PGA Tour was telling sponsors not to go sponsor live or, or else, you know what I mean? Like, th- this doesn't mean any of that. It just means that they have to give over information and then um, they will make their decision on it. Right, T-Dub? Yes, that, that's from my understanding, yes. And, and just a, a caveat for all of our listeners, none of us here are lawyers unless one of you two has, has a law degree that I'm unaware of. So don't uh, don't take anything we say uh, verbatim by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, we do our best to understand the concept because we know the consequences that could come from this decision on the landscape of golf. Absolutely, guys. Let's go ahead and take a break here from McCray Roofing. And then on the other side of the break, we are getting fully into the Live Miami Team Competition Team Championship. It's going to be really interesting. Stay with us here on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McCray Roofing. McCray Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McCray and the experienced team at McCray Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. 
McCray Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McCrayRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back on the other side of the break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Definitely go get all of your local golf news from GolfOklahoma.org. Woody, you spent some time down at Doral this year. I'm curious to hear your full thoughts on the golf course and kind of give us a preview of what we'll see this week coming up at the team championship for Live in Miami. I had not played Doral since the 90s when I was actually on tour. So it was kind of fun for me to go back down there and see what Trump had done because he bought it out and had done some things. He changed the first hole, which I didn't really like. The first hole used to be a real easy par five. You get off to a really good start. But he he built a lake down by the green and made the green really almost impossible to go at in two. Uh, that, That kind of bugged me. But other than that, Doral was the Doral I remembered. It is a mother. It is a really good golf course. I expect the wind will blow, and that makes it even more difficult. They'll have rough. So this will be a really great tournament, especially that final round where they have to count all four scores because that could really hurt a team if one guy gets it going south on that golf course. It's easy to shoot 75, 78 on that golf course. It's not as easy to shoot something like, 65 so i think this will be a great golf course for this event and i really look forward to watching it because doral doral has just got so much history it's just a really great golf course t-dub as far as doral goes and then we'll get into obviously who we think is going to win specific matchups but just you know talking about doral what type of golfer are you looking for this week to really have success at doral it has to be a ball striker. I mean, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. The rest of the course, I guarantee you, will be very pure. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely looking at the guys that, that can not only get the ball off the tee, but you're going to have to get really good approach shots down there because I, I'm assuming the wind will probably blow around the 10 to 20 mile per hour mark. So that, uh, that will pose a little bit of, of concern there when it comes to being difficult. But, yeah, the, this course is it's most remembered for me for the, the Tiger Phil back in, I believe, 2005 it was, where Tiger ended up prevailing. Phil looked out a chip on 18. It's one of the best non-major golf tournaments you'll ever watch. And one of the few times that Tiger and Phil came down uh, the stretch competing against each other. So that's the tournament that sticks out. But, it, but like Woody said, just a long history at, at this course. I mean, they've had, they had the, uh, the regular PJ Tour event there. They had the World Golf Championship there for, I believe, nine or ten years, something like that. So a lot of history here, and I'm really excited to see it because I don't think we've seen a turn Matt Doral since 2016, so it's been about six years 
And I think that's six years too long because it's one of the best golf courses, not only in Florida, but the southeastern part of the United States. No, I totally agree. And it's notorious for having some of the best Bermuda greens in the country. Uh, T-Dub, why don't you run through the format for this team championship? Obviously, I know that the captains will be playing singles matches against each other here in this first round. First, I probably should say that the four aces, Team Crushers, Team Fireballs, and Team Stinger will all have buys into the semifinals. So that means that Team Smash, the Niblicks, uh, will be playing each other, the Majestics versus the Ironheads, um, and then you go down to Team Torque versus the Cliques and High Flyers, Phil's team versus Team Punch, Cam Smith's team in the first round. But what format will these teams be playing against each other in, T-Dub? So the, the, the first two days, um, we're going to have the same format. So it'll be the, the, four, the four teams, as you mentioned earlier, have the bye. So you're going to have the, uh, the eight teams left are going to compete against each other. And the, the, the way it's going to work is you're going to be three different matches. You're going to have two singles matches, and you're going to have one alternate shot match. And there will be no halves of any points. So with the odd number there, that's how you're going to definitely determine who the team winner is. And these so are match play matches, right, T-Dub? 100%, yes. These, these are match play matches, just like uh, just like a Ryder Cup format would be. Okay. And then you're going to have the exact the exact same thing um, on, on Saturday. And, and also, too, these are uh, the shotgun start still continues as well. So we'll have players start on each different hole. So that'll be fairly interesting in a, in a singles match. Um, concept, and then it's the exact same thing on Saturday, and then we'll have, for the four teams that play the bye, we'll play the four teams that win. But then on Sunday is where the format gets a little bit unique. So we're going to, uh, the four teams that are remaining, the shotgun start will happen as well. All 16 players will play. All four scores will count, and whoever's just the lowest team out of those four will end up winning the uh, the $16 million, $4 million each. So uh, it's going to be a pressure-packed uh, Sunday afternoon, but I'm going to be really interested to see um, the first two days format, especially the alternate shot format, and just who the teams decide to uh, to throw out as in the alternate shot, who's going to play the singles. It's going to be an interesting dynamic that uh, we're not really used to seeing. Woody, before we dive into these matchups, I mean, could you imagine the pressure in that final round uh, playing for, what, $15 million and every score counts? It's just a combined score. It's not even like college golf. There's no dropping a score. It's just all players combined score versus the other team. Woody, that sounds like a pressure-packed afternoon. Well, it's actually sixteen million. Now, I thought it was fifteen million too, Sam. It's sixteen million, so it's four million dollars a piece for the guy that wins. If you finish second, you win two million dollars a piece. So it's not like it's horrible money, but that's still uh, that's still mind-boggling to me that these guys are playing for that kind of money. Now, there is some trivia for you, and we'll be curious to see if they do it this week because this will be the first time that match play has been played. Do you guys realize that they have taken out certain terms in match play now? You no yes. longer have a hole. You tie a hole. That's right. You are no longer dormy. That, so that terminology is not going to be used anymore. Where a player that was dormy was up like four holes with four to play, he was dormy. Okay? So they have taken out some of the logo and the lingo that we used to talk about when we talked about match play, which I thought was kind of, 
I don't know why they make those changes, but that was kind of screwed up, I thought. I'll tell you guys something that I want you to watch this weekend that I think will be critical and very pivotal in this golf tournament. The par threes on this golf course. The par threes on this drought are really difficult, guys. Really difficult. And there's a big number waiting on some guys on a lot of these par threes. So there's a big number out there on a lot of holes. So having four guys, all of them have to count. Yeah, that is a bunch of pressure going on right there. It, what it makes you wonder, do you guys load up on the four aces knowing that Pat Perez has not right. really been a stellar player this year? And so, um, you know, if, if the other three play really good and Pat doesn't, and I'm picking on him, I'm not trying to, but one guy can really – uh, sink the ship for a better way of saying it. He, he can he can really mess up his other teams. So they got to be really focused and going hard. Right, just a quick question for you guys because I think it'd be interesting from a team captain's perspective. I ask you, Sam, first. If you have a player like that struggling one of these first two matchups or for the four aces that only have one match like this, do you throw Perez out in a singles match or do you feel better with him with a teammate in the alternate shot? I would 100% feel better with Pat Perez in a singles match instead of throwing my worst player out an alternate shot. I feel like that it's kind of rigged in a way because the captains have to play each other. Do you see what I'm saying, T-Dub? But to me, I would put my worst player in that second singles match and then put my other two best players um, in the alternate shot matchup. What do you think? I I tend to agree with that. I think there, there may be a little bit dynamic to it. Maybe if you're, if it's just a different team than the four aces, maybe one's a, a really good ball striker, really good punter. You might want to pair with them in the alternate shot. But yeah, I agree, Woody. I think that you throw the, the worser player out in the other singles match. Maybe they can get a good matchup that day, or maybe just have a good round. Because if you're struggling an alternate shot, it, it's really hard to uh, to carry a whole nother player um, whenever you have that much pressure going on. I gotta say this, guys. If I'm playing for four million dollars. I'm not sure there's enough oxygen in the sky for me to suck in enough that I can get the ball airborne. So um, I just, I just don't, I don't know how these guys are going to respond to this. I'm not worried about the, uh, oh, the Cam Smiths or the Mickelsons or the Kepkas. Those guys have played for a lot of money their whole lives. But these young guys, like Takara again and some other guys out there, man, that's a lot of pressure. So. Um, when you look at, at Bermuda and you look at Doral, I mean, if you really, if you're really a golfer and you really want to watch what's called pressure situations, you got to figure out a way to stream this this live because it's going to be an interesting weekend to say the least. It really is, Woody. And let's get into the first round matchups here. Uh, I will start off with Team Smash versus the Niblicks. You have Brooks Kepka, the captain, going up against Captain Varner the Third. That'll be an interesting matchup there. Uh, Peter Uline versus James Pyatt. And then the alternate shot match in that matchup is Jason Kokrak and Chase Kepka versus Pettit and Swafford. Guys, who do you favor in this matchup? I think that it has to be Team Smash, in my opinion, T-Dub. 100% has to be Smash. I, I think so. I think that with Kepka coming off his win, I think he's favored against Harold Varner. With Yuleline playing as well as he was, he's favored over Pyatt. And yeah, I think the same thing for Smash in the alternate shot. I would take Kokrak and, and Chase Kepka against Pettit and Hudson Swafford. 
probably 70 times out of 100. So, yeah, I think Smash is the clear favorite here. And I'd be, it's out of all these matchups, that's probably the one that I would be most shocked if there was an upset. I think you're going to see some upsets in this. I really do. Match play and the money and everything else and the golf course as hard as it is. I think there will be some upsets, but I don't think that will be one. No. Okay, then let's go to the Majestics versus the Ironheads. You have Captain Poulter versus Captain Nah. That's that's a great matchup. A, a bunch of people have interesting opinions on both of those guys. Um, the other singles match will be Westwood versus Kim, and then the alternate shot matchup for the Majestics and the Ironheads will be uh, Sam Horsfield and Henrik Stenson versus the two... Japanese players, guys, uh, um, if you can pronounce their names, you are better than me. You have Kong Watmai and Kai Wanjana. Very good. Is that pretty that good? That's good, <laughs> that good, man. I didn't say there's a chance in hell you're going to say those names. That's yeah. ridiculous, man. I'm impressed, too. That's, uh, I'm glad you didn't throw that at me. <laughs> but who do you like in that matchup? And maybe give your pick for the uh, Poulter-Nah match. That's definitely one that I- I'm looking forward to, T-Dub. I, I am, too. I-, I think this one will be pretty close. This may be what, what Lee Corsa would say, closer than the experts think. I, I do still think the Majestics will, will pull it out, but I, I think that the uh, the Poulter non-match could have um, a lot of weight on it because I do think I do think Westwood will probably win against uh, Siwon Kim, but and, and in that alternate shot format, you never know what could happen because Horsfield can be a little bit up and down. Stinson is a great ball striker, but his putting can be rather lackluster, which can hurt you in that format. So I think the Majestics will pull it out, Woody, but I think it'll be fairly close. The Majestics on paper look better. They do. But this could be the one where we, we could call it, um, uh, I guess you could call this a, a, a sleeper team. Uh, they they might surprise you and win that match. Uh, but I, I still think the Majestics, they got too much experience on their team. I think that will pay big dividends in this kind of tournament. 100%. And then we have Team Torque, which is Joaquin Neiman's team, versus the Cleeks, which is Martin Keimer's team. So that means that you have Captain Neiman versus Captain Keimer. I like that. Captain Keimer. That seems like it should be in a movie. Um, and then you have Jediah Morgan versus Lori Cantor in the other singles match. And then the alternate shot match is uh, Vincent and Otegui versus Graham McDowell and Richard Bland, guys. I kind of feel like we... I, I don't know if it's an upset. I, I, I'll look at the odds here after uh, we get through these first-round matchups, but I, I would have to go Team Cleeks with this one, T-Dub. Yeah, by, by the seeding, it is an upset, and I would have to agree. I think that I think Neiman will beat Captain Keimer, as you call him. That is a really cool name. But I do think Laurie Canner will beat uh, will beat Morgan, and I think McDowell Richard Bland will beat uh, will win the alternate shot format there. So that'd be two one in the favor of the Cleeks. So yeah, I, I would expect this to be uh, would be. I don't know. Maybe the next matchup would be the most likely for an upset, but this is definitely up there. I, this is this is this is a realm, Woody, where I, I am. Like I said, if, they, if these two teams played 100 times, I think the Cleeks would win probably 60 to 65. Torque would win uh, 35 to 40, somewhere in that range. Totally agree. Again, this is going to be an interesting one. Now, Keimer just got married. Did you guys know that? So he's I either going to be that. coming in on a, and none yeah, of that, he, yeah, he's, he's either coming in on a real high or he's so, really going to be tight. So what you're telling me so, is, uh, Martin Keimer, you are not the captain anymore. Well, 
I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm not going to go there. You're trying to get me in trouble, Sam. I, I would say in most marriages, yeah, the man is not in charge, but I'm not going to go out on that limb. I'm not going to get caught in this little deal. No, no, no. Uh, I just saying a lot of a lot of things. You know, when a guy gets married, there's a lot going on. Sam, you know about that. You just did it. That's so, right. uh, uh, you know, so there's a lot going on there. But I still, I still, again, I'm going with experience, guys. And uh, those guys have a lot more experience. So I think they'll come out ahead. But that was one that, that that's a pick em. I don't know on that one. That one's a pick em. And this next matchup to me is a pick em as well. You have Captain Mickelson versus Captain Cam Smith. Uh, the high flyers versus Team Punch. Um, then the other singles match will be Matthew Wolf versus Mark Leishman. That's probably my favorite singles match. The one that I'm looking forward to the most out of this first round. And then the alternate shot matchup is Viesberger and Tringali versus Matt Jones and Wade Ormsby, guys. I like the high flyers in this matchup, but just by a little bit because I feel like Matthew Wolf will beat Leishman, but I also feel like Cam Smith will beat Phil Mickelson. I really just like Viesberger the way that he's been playing paired with Tringali over Matt Jones and Wade Ornsby. T-Dub, do you disagree or agree with me? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with what you said in the first two matches, and I, I just think the alternate shot's going to be such a coin flip. I think this 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 heads up right here. It is going to be the most 50-50 one, I think, out of any of them. I would be shocked if Cam lost lost to Phil, but I'm so excited to see that. Maybe Phil's got uh, you know a few few more good rounds left in the tank. And he did show a little bit of form the last one or two live events. So it'll be interesting to see if he could pull a little bit of magic. I agree with Wolf beating up on Leishman, but you never know if, if Wolf gets a little sideways off the tee box, uh, that, that could uh, be bad because Leishman is very accurate off the tee, and Leishman probably sets up fairly well for Durrell. So I think that match may be a little bit closer as well. I would expect Wolf to win if I was betting on it. But the, the alternate shot, Woody, is such a toss-up. I'm probably going to go with the punch just to be a little bit contrarian, but it, it's so close that uh, it would definitely be hard for me to put any money on it. We know Wolf has played really well since he's gone to this live tour. And Leachman, on the other hand, is really not. Um, Cam Smith, I, I only way Phil Mickelson beats him is Mickelson's gamemanship and an experience and uh, maturity, uh, but I still don't think that can stop that putter of Cam's. Uh, I'm I, again, it's a toss up. I'm going to go with the Aussies because now I'm a big kangaroo fan since I found out the Kansas City <laughs> Kangaroos are my best team going. So I'm going to go with the Aussies in this one. We did hear from Phil Mickelson in the live press conferences. I'm going to play this for you guys and then get your guys' gut reactions on some of the things that Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka were going back and forth with in some match-style talk. If you, if you guys have heard the smack talk before the matches uh, that Phil puts on, it was similar to that. Let me play some audio from the live press conference over this past week. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before, can we just clarify that he doesn't have to pick from the last four. He can pick from all seven. Absolutely. Eight. He can pick anybody he wants to play with. So if he wanted a rematch of, like, the 21 PGA, like, you can pick up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just clarifying the rules because I don't know if everybody's that. Like, go, go ahead, Bruce. All right, man. As long as you consider, Brooks. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Yeah. But if you want to play, we can play it. But I'm bringing those. I don't know. You probably don't know this because you've never been number one in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful green shirt. You have a green jacket. <laughs> beautiful stuff there from Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. Uh, the audio a little tough to make out there, but basically Phil said you can have the same matchup as the 21 PGA if you want it. And Brooks said, you know, I'd basically rather go up against someone who has been number one in the world. And Phil came back and said... Hey, Brooks, that's a nice green shirt you got on there. It would go nice with a green jacket. Uh, T-Dub, what are your thoughts? I, I feel like Phil Mickelson is the greatest uh, trash talker maybe of all time in the game of golf. I, I would 100% agree with that sentiment. It's just it's wonderful to hear a little banter like this because there's no ill intent with what they're saying. They're just having a good fun with each other. But one of the things that shocks me the most out of just hearing that trash talk, Sam, and I, I tend to forget it every time, but it blows my mind, how in the world, I get that he played in the Tiger era, but Phil Mickelson was never number one player in the world. Is that not just astonishing? It truly is. Woody, I mean, you remember those days a little bit better than us because I was born in 1995. Obviously, Phil Mickelson, uh, you know, was a great amateur and, and basically came on the PGA Tour. You could look at it in two different ways. He, you could look at it in the fact that even though he finished second a lot to Tiger Woods, he made a lot more money than he would have because of Tiger Woods. But you could also look at it in the fact that Phil Mickelson probably would have had four or five more majors if Tiger Woods never existed. So, so which way do you look at it, Woody? Yeah, that's a catch-22. I'm going to go with the money in my pocketbook. It was sure good to have Tiger bring all that money to the PGA Tour. But it had to get frustrating for for not only Mickelson, but Ernie Els. There, there were so many really good players back in the day. But Tiger was just so dominant, more more so than even Jack Nicholas in his prime. And that's that's a big statement. But... I would have hated every time I was trying to play in a golf tournament, especially a major, trying to beat Tiger Woods. I, I just don't – well, you couldn't, for one thing, and, and even not until he had some injuries and had a divorce and some other things did those guys get a little bit of an opening. But even then, he closed it pretty, pretty rapidly. But I'm like T.W. I, I just – I cannot believe he was never number one in the world. That just – blows my mind when you think about that because Phil came on the tour pretty early uh you know he, he was he was he won in college and then uh, Scott Burplank the only other guy I can think of right offhand that won a college and uh, when he was in college won yep. a tour event so Phil was Phil was uh Phil was so good it was just hard to believe that he couldn't get to be number one before Tiger came in there but once again, we talk about Tiger Woods, and we even as much accolades as we throw out, it's not worthy. He still needs more. He he, he was just so doggone good. Um, frustrating, yes, but your your millions of dollars that he'll put in the bank and then lost gambling was worth it. Let's go to the odds here for Live Golf Miami because now we are in the second round. And guys, the way that I understand it, the lowest seed to advance to the semifinals will face the four aces. The second highest seed will face Team Crushers. Uh, then 
Fireballs, and then Stinger. And so when I look at the odds here, T-Dub, the odds have the two ace, uh, the four aces at two to one. Not the two aces. It might be the three aces and Pat Perez. Um, but the four aces are two to one. Uh, team Crushers is four to one. Uh, team Fireballs is nine to two, and then you have Team Smash and Team Stinger tied at nine to one. So basically, what these odds are telling you is that even though Team Stinger has a buy in the first round, they are still the worst odds out of the four to have a buy in the first round, and Team Smash tied with them at nine to one has the best odds to advance to the second round. Yeah, the two things you take from that, because it's so weird that those two would be the same and Stinger wouldn't even be a little bit more because technically Smash has a 50-50 chance of not even making it to the second round where, where Stinger is already there. So the two things you have to allude to, like you said, Vegas is very, very high on Smash beating up uh, on the on the Niblicks, and I expect, as we prognosticated earlier, that to definitely happen. And the Stinger, as we can see, they, they look to be in a fairly tough spot. Brendan Grace got hurt a couple weeks ago. He's probably... Still dealing it with that. They got Schwartzel, Louis, and Henry Duplessis. They got to such a great start on Lib, but they've kind of started to cool off a little bit. So I don't know, Woody. I'm kind of on Vegas' side on this. I'm not really too high on the Stingers going into uh, into this team contest. The one thing we know for sure is that Las Vegas is pretty good at everything when it comes to gambling. I I, I very rarely see where they lose, uh, and if the odds in Vegas are going that way, I. I tend to go with those odds. I just I find it very difficult to to, to um, argue with Las Vegas. They're pretty good at what they do. Obviously, no, you're exactly right with that, Woody. They don't build casinos uh, based off of losses. Uh, so, boys, who has the top pick this week uh, for our team event? The four aces are now back into contention because they did not win last event. So, you can pick the four aces for this team event. I don't know if you want to, uh, but Woody, we'll go ahead and give you the first pick for this team championship. Who are you going with? <laughs> Of course you will. I love you, boys. Yeah, you just one thing for sure that our listeners need to understand is you guys <laughs> never take advantage of the old fart in the group. You try, you try really hard to give me every chance to win, but I find a way to step on myself just about every time. But I'm going with the four aces. I, I had them, you know, and they donked on me. But I think for all the money. And everybody's going to have big Christmases, and it looks like Pat Perez's wife needs another surgery. Um, I think I think where I'm in, I'm going four aces. T Dub, who are you going with? Man, this is it's fairly tricky. I think I'm going to go with who I think from top to bottom may be the best overall team. Give me the Crushers. I, I don't think they're as top heavy as the four aces are, but I think at the bottom, I think Lahiri or, or CH3 is their worst player, and I would take him over Pat Perez especially at this uh, this period of their game. The, the crusher's is just going to come down to Bryson. I mean, is he going to be able to overpower Doral, or is he going to be all over the place and not being able to control his distances? So Bryson is by far the most crucial part uh, to the Crusher's success. But I do think with KC, CH3, and Lahiri, that uh, even if DeChambeau does have maybe one bad round out of the two, that maybe those other three can, can carry him since he'll be uh, definitely in the singles match. 
Well, guys, you guys gave me the team that I wanted in the first place. Give me Team Fireballs to win this team championship in Miami. I know there's a little Latin flavor in Miami. I think there will be some Spanish flavor by the end of the week. Give me Sergio Garcia, Abraham Answer, Carlos Ortiz, and Eugenio Lopez Chikara. And the reason being is, I mean, we've seen great match play from Sergio Garcia in the past, obviously in Ryder Cups. We We've seen Abraham Answer do great things in the President's Cup, even called out Tiger Woods. Now, I know it didn't turn out the best for Abraham Answer when he called out Tiger Woods, but he still, in team competitions, has had great weeks at the President's Cup. Um, and then Carlos Ortiz and Eugenio Lopez Chicara are two interesting ones because Ortiz started out his live career playing really hot. He's he's kind of tailed off a little bit, but Eugenio Lopez Chicara, I feel like, is a guy that we've seen in match play before, and it's been up and down, but I feel like Eugenio is the type of player that could just run someone out of the building in match play and even in alternate shot. Talking about ball strikers, Eugenio Lopez Chicara might be one of the top five ball strikers on the live series so guys give me team fireballs to win the whole thing woody has the four aces he has the favorite t-dub has the second favorite in team crushers and give me the fireballs which is the third favorite all of us going with teams that have buys in the first round that just makes sense to me t-dub 100 percent. whenever you don't have to play an extra match because everyone in this field is a world-class player to some extent. So uh, it's going to be, it's not, no match is ever a guaranteed giveaway. But one thing that Woody brought up earlier that I think is going to definitely come to fruition, there's going to be some upsets here. There's going to be one team that we hadn't, we hadn't really talked a whole lot about or we hadn't picked that, that we think will do well. That is going to come out and, and, and do well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked at all if one of these, uh, these teams in the 9 to 12 range made some sort of little run and, and was able to, to compete on, on Sunday afternoon. Which would be really cool and interesting to see. So, you know, just even though we, we've kind of gone with chalk with our picks, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if there was uh, some upsets that were brewing in the next couple of days. And T-Dub, do you know what time the shotgun start is for this uh, team championship in Miami? Uh, it is 12 o'clock Eastern. So that'll be 11 o'clock Central time for us in the great state of Oklahoma. So 11 o'clock locally here in Oklahoma, and that starts Friday, not tomorrow on Thursday, but it starts Friday and goes through Sunday. Guys, did we miss anything today? I love the fact that Liv is having this team championship because it gives us something to talk about in the very slowest time of the year, guys. I'm just glad we didn't have to spend a whole show talking about Bermuda. Boy, there's no doubt about that. It's uh, definitely not a very good week for the PJ Tour, and I'm really excited to see how this live contest brews out of such a, a great golf course. Two other things I want to hit on before we get out of here just briefly, and we'll talk about this on, on our next show. The East Lake Cup's going on right now. Uh, Arizona State and Vanderbilt are playing in the finals for the men. Texas A&M and Auburn are playing in the finals for the women, so we'll have a little bit of interest there, maybe something to watch um, this afternoon for the guys who listen to the podcast uh, as soon as we put it out. And We'll cover this a lot on our next show, but we do have the Red River uh, Red River Challenge this upcoming weekend at Dorna Kills, OJGT versus TJGT. I know me and Sam played in that tournament combined probably 10 times or so. So a lot of sentimental value for us there, and we'll love to uh, hopefully talk with some people that are associated with the tournament, have some uh, rave reviews on what is always one of the best junior tournaments in the state Sam, or in the country. And T-Dub, speaking of that, is the Red River back at Dornick Hills for this year? 
Yes, sir. Yep. It, it was not. It was at the territory um, for that one year because that was when Dornick was getting the the Tom the Tom Doak restoration. So now that all that is uh, completed, it will be uh, will be at Dornick Hills again this year. And uh, territory is a phenomenal golf course, but uh, the Red River needs to be at Dornick every year. It's just uh, it's a tra- it's like the Masters. It's a tradition unlike any other. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for joining the 73rd hole for Jim Woodward and Taylor Williams. This has been Sam Humphreys on the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma, the 73rd hole. <laughs>